0: tonight that's where I would like to take you to the book of Matthew Matthew 16 you guys just hang close with me for a minute Matthew chapter 16 praise God it's so good to see you here tonight amen ain't no telling what God's gonna do in here it's Sunday night at FPC be a good night for somebody to get healed Be a good night for somebody to get delivered. Be a good night for somebody to dance that hadn't danced in a while. Run the aisles that hadn't ran in a while. Oh, what would we do if we were in a dead church? Can you imagine? I don't want anything to do with a dead church. Praise God. Matthew chapter 16. And we're going to go to verse number 13. If you're there, just say amen. Matthew 16 and 13, a lot of you could quote portions of this. When Jesus came to the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, Whom do men say that I, the son of man, am? They said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremias, or one of the prophets. He said unto unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter, the outspoken one, he spoke up and he answered and he said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona. For flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter and upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it and I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven verse 18 upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. If you believe that, say amen. Amen. You may be seated in Jesus' name. Oh, the reason I'm in this church is I don't want to be lost. The reason I'm in this church is I don't want to be lost. Oh, the reason I'm in this church I don't want to be lost. I don't want to be lost when Jesus comes. Oh, the reason I'm in this church, I don't want to be lost. The reason I'm in this church, I don't want to be lost. The reason I'm in this church, I don't want to be lost. I don't Lost when Jesus comes. Oh, the reason I walk upright is I don't want to be lost. The reason I walk upright is I don't want to be lost. The reason I walk upright. Thankful for the church tonight. The reason I'm in this church is I don't want to be lost. The reason I'm in this church, hallelujah, I don't want to be lost. The reason I'm in this church is I don't want to be lost. Thankful for the church tonight. Give him praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Amen. And you may be seated in Jesus' name. I'm thankful for the church. Amen. In the book of Revelation, at the opening of the book, after There has been clarity on who's speaking and what's happening. He said, I got a message that I want you to write down. I want you to write it down for the churches. He begins to speak about seven churches that I believe were seven physical churches, seven places geographically in the earth that were located there. I also do believe that there is some uh, weight to the theory and the thought and the understanding that these are possibly church ages as well, and that speaking of the church ages and speaking of things happening in the church, I cannot help but take note that if, if it was the plan of God to speak concerning the church ages, that by the time we get to the seventh church, which would be the last church, so to speak. He begins to talk to the church at Laodicea and he said unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, these things saith the Amen, the faithful, the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that thou wert cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm, and he says it again, neither cold nor hot, I'm going to put up with it and just encourage you to keep on coming to church, come back and get you. What does he say? Because you're not cold or hot, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. Oh, pastor, why in the world would you read that? Because I'm telling you, if it's ever mattered to be in a church that's on fire, it's right now. I believe the end time church ought to be the most powerful church that history has ever recorded or known anything about. I don't believe it's the will of God for him to come back for a church that's less than the church that he left. And the church that he left was a church that was on fire. It was a church that was operating in the supernatural. It was a church that was operating in the gifts of the Spirit. It was a church where miracle signs and wonders were happening. I'm saying to you tonight, I don't believe it's the will of God for us to be a lukewarm church in the 21st century. I believe he's looking for a church that is sold out. If you believe it, shout yes. The reason I'm in this church is I don't want to be lost. There is powerful revelation that comes to you when you understand what a church is. And that Jesus speaking, he only spoke of one singular church. It was not a church that was divided by schisms of idolatry and heresy and doctrinal ideas Wherein men had been blown about by winds of false doctrine. But it was a church that was established on the revelation of who he was. He said, Peter, it's a revelation that flesh and blood cannot reveal to you but my Father, which is in heaven. I've heard it said before that because Peter was Petra and Petra was rocked, that the Lord was saying to Peter, I'm going to build my church on you. And that on the day of Pentecost that Peter was the foundation of that. But that's not what the scripture tells us. The scripture tells us that Jesus Christ himself was the chief cornerstone. I'm saying to you tonight that Peter is not the rock that the church was built on, but the rock the church was built on was the revelation of who the Messiah is. So that leads me to believe that the true church of the living God is not a church that's got him divided up into several categories of who he was or who he could be or what personality he might be. I've come to tell you that it's one God who was father of all, who was above all, and who is through you all. That is the God that purchased this church. The gates of hell shall not prevail Against that church. However, it leads me to understanding that. Just because something is called a church doesn't mean that it has an exemption from the gates of hell destroying it. What I'm saying to you is that in the end time, I I sincerely believe this. I believe that the true church. Will be exposed. Exposed. And I believe everything that's not the true church will be exposed. That's why I have such trepidation to hitch myself up with people who don't want to preach doctrine that straight. I don't, I don't want to connect myself with people who just want to get out in the pool and mingle together with everybody and us be one great big body. There's only one body. And that body has been purchased by the blood of Jesus. Can I tell you tonight... That Jesus said that I am the door and if any man comes in any other way, he is a thief and he is a, y'all are preaching good, he is a robber. I want you to understand tonight there's not a multiplicity of ways to get in the church. There's one door. There's one way to get in. You got to repent of your sins. Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sin and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That's the church that I want to be a part of. But As we look at churches in today's society, it's as though we have a picture of something that is called a church that has form of godliness but denies the power thereof. It's as though the goal has become to make our churches social clubs where people enjoy the fellowship with man. But whether they fellowship with God or not becomes irrelevant as long as you enjoyed yourself. As long as you came together and enjoyed a good time together, that's all that matters. You can come in an alcoholic and leave an alcoholic and that don't bother anybody. You can come in a drug addict and leave a drug addict and that doesn't bother anybody. You can come in addicted and leave addicted and that doesn't bother anybody as long as you come back next week and sit on the pews. But can I tell you that this church I'm in is a church with power. It's a church with demonstration. It's a church that the drunk can walk in drunk and intoxicated from the pleasures of this world. But before the service is over, the Holy Ghost can dry him up and dry him out. I still believe in the delivering power that's in the church. I long for the day that the drug addict starts throwing their drugs on the altar again. And the alcoholic leaves the bottle. Whoa! And the alcoholic leaves his bottle on the platform again. I'm telling you tonight, it's a glorious church. Some look at our world and say, oh dear God, what are we going to do? The world is falling apart and the church is in trouble. It's it's in danger and I can jump on that boat with you just long enough to say I agree that some churches are in trouble because if the only thing you've got it built on is a social network of people, it's going to fall apart. But it is not my prophecy, it is the word that came from the mouth of the Messiah that the gates of hell will not prevail against his church. What I'm saying to you is if you're in the true church, you don't have to worry about what hell's doing. You don't have to worry about what society is doing. You can look the devil square in the eye and say, bring it on, big daddy. Bring your best shot you've got. Unleash all the fury you want to. But the gates of hell shall shall not prevail. Y'all got a few minutes for a story tonight? On a dangerous seacoast where shipwrecks often occur, there was once a crude little life-saving station. The building was just a hut and there was only one boat but the devoted members kept a constant watch over the scene with no thought for themselves they went out day and night tirelessly searching for the lost some of those who were saved and various others in the surrounding areas wanted to become associated with the station they gave their time and their money and their effort for the support of its work new boats were bought and new crews were trained the little life saving station grew Some of the members of the life-saving station were unhappy that the building was so crude and so poorly equipped. They felt that a more comfortable place should be provided as the first refuge of those saved from the sea. They replaced the emergency cots with beds and put better furniture in the enlarged building. Now the life-saving station became a popular gathering place for its members, and they decorated it as some sort. Of a club, fewer members were now interested in going to sea on life saving missions. So they hired lifeboat crews to do this work. The life saving motif still prevailed in this club's decoration, and there was a lifeboat in the room where the club initiations were held. About this time, a large ship was wrecked off the coast, and the hired crews brought in the boatloads of the cold, the wet, and the half drowned people. They were dirty and sick and even of different cultures. So they did not seem to know the proper way to act after being rescued. The beautiful new club was in chaos. So the property committee immediately had a shower house built outside the club where the victims of shipwrecks could be cleaned up before they came inside the building. At the next meeting, there was a split in the club membership. Most of the members wanted to stop the club's life-saving activities since they were unpleasant and a hindrance to the normal social life of the club. Some members insisted upon life-saving as their primary purpose and pointed out that they still should be called a life-saving station. But after a lengthy, intense meeting... They were finally voted down and told that if they wanted to save lives of all various kinds of people who were shipwrecked in those waters, they could just start their own life-saving station down the coast. So they did just that. As the years went by, a new station, uh, the new station experienced the same changes that had occurred in the old. It evolved into a club and yet another spin-off, life-saving station was founded. History continued to repeat itself. And if you visit that coast today, you'll find a number of exclusive clubs along that shore. Shipwrecks are frequent in those waters, but most of the people drown. I look at the church of the living God and I wonder sometimes what it is we're trying to conform ourselves into the image of what? What is it that we want the church to be conformed into the image of? Because I believe that this church was formed in the image of God. And it was God who robed himself in the flesh and said, I came to seek and to save. That which was lost. Brothers and sisters, I tell you tonight that if we're not careful, we're going to allow ourselves to fall into the mold of a social club that exists strictly to keep one another happy and fellowship while there are ships being wrecked by the thousands around us and nobody to throw a lifeline. time ago I was in conversation with a pastor friend of mine he had an uprising in his church not enough to call it a split but quite an uprising in the church several families left because they had started busing in people and I'll just say this to you nicely like as easy as I can but not everybody they were bringing on the vans were white And so there were families that got up and said, well, if that's how you're going to welcome people, then we don't want to be a part of this church. To which the response was, see ya. Well, what about my tithes? I don't need your tithes if they're covered in that kind of spirit. You understand what I'm saying to you tonight? The enemy loves to twist our minds. At the end of the day, this is not just a place where we come together. It's a place where lives ought to be transformed and renewed. Nobody wants to help me preach on Sunday night. I want you to know it's a living church. There is something something so interesting that happens in a local assembly that has roots that over time, and some of you are going to find this somewhat humorous, but tell me it's not true. That We get to the place where we take ownership in the church. If you don't believe me, then you get up out of the seat that Has your imprint in it. (laughs) Slip out to the restroom. And come walking in and there's some new family sitting in your seat. It's interesting. I saw a woman one night. It wasn't a new person. But I saw a woman one night going for a seat that another person sat in. And that person spoke up to that woman and said, hey, I think we're both going to the same place here. (laughs) To which the lady said, oh, I'm so sorry, and stepped aside. And that individual went right to their seat and sat down. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Lord. Start preaching like this, it gets a little tied up in here. (laughs) There's different opinions to this, and I understand the great big picture from the 60,000-foot view. But I want to tell you, I think that's part of the reason why the Lord told His priesthood to be sure that there were rings put on all the furniture in the wilderness for that tabernacle. Because it wasn't going to stay in the same place for very long. And that might have been the spot where you stood outside the gate this week, outside the the, the 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 curtain this week, but don't get used to it because next week it's not going to be there anymore. I'm saying to you, I believe it's the will of God for us to be a church that's on the move. You can go to the Dead Sea today and they will tell you in Israel at the Dead Sea that it's so full of minerals and salt that they can't get things to live in there. It's a lifeless place. Where they cannot get fish to live in. that They can't make it happen. And here's the reason why. Because the Dead Sea has existed for all of these years. As a place that's constantly being flowed into. But never flows out. It becomes a lifeless cesspool when there's nothing flowing out of you and always something flowing into you. You know what I believe? I believe this Holy Ghost is so good that everybody I meet needs to know how good God's. I love it when people kick the door open for me and I walk into a place and they say, hey, are you a preacher? Nope. I'm not, I'm a banker and I bank a lot. They say, are you a preacher? I get this a whole lot, you can be seated. I don't know why I get it a lot. They'll say, you a preacher? Yeah, yeah, I'm a preacher and they say, I could tell. How do you tell? I could tell by your voice. Well, thank you. (laughs) Yes, I am. I prefer to be called an apologist, but that's okay. You a preacher? Never have I been ashamed to be connected to the church of the living God. Never in my life have I been ashamed for people to say to me, what church is it that you pastor? Because there are some churches That to be honest with you, if they asked me which one I pastored, I don't know if I'd want to tell them. (laughs) Some time ago, we had a local assembly in this area in which the pastor of that church had left one of the local assemblies here and went to take senior leadership of another one. And in the process of that, decided that he would marry a gentleman of the same sex And after they went on their honeymoon, he and his husband, he came home and their church family threw them a wedding reception. Right here in A-Town. And I'm thinking to myself, if somebody said, which church do you pastor? Huh? (laughs) Negative, amigo. (laughs) It doesn't bother me when people say now. Aren't you the church that your worship's just a little bit? I was sitting in a barber chair some time ago and making a friendship, a relationship with the girl that was cutting my hair. Don't run off with that. That was pure. (laughs) And we were chatting. Matter of fact, she cut some hair of some people in this church. I was talking to uh young Elvis. I can't call him little Elvis. I just can't. I'm not a liar. I was talking to young Elvis and she was talking about him, and what a sweet young man he is. I said, dear God, he's got you fooled. <laughs> not really, I didn't. I talked good about you. Well, we were talking, she said, she said, uh where do you pastor? And I told her where I passed. She's like, oh, I know so-and-so from there and -and so-and-so from, from, met so-and-so. I'm like, oh, that's great, that's great. And So we've developed a friendship, you know. She got comfortable with me one day and she said, my grandmother was Pentecostal. I said, oh, she was. She said, yeah, she was. She said, I went to church with her one time. I said, you did? She said, yeah, I kind of liked it. I said, "Well, well, what happened? She said, I'm going to tell you something. She said, that's the only time in my life that I really think I ever felt God. So why? She said, man, when them people started worshiping, she said, I got chills all over me. Something happened to me that I wasn't sure what was going on. And I just wanted to jump up out of the chair, but she had buzzers on my ear. (laughs) And it wasn't worth that in the moment. But I wanted to jump up and say, I know what you felt. Because I feel it every time I walk through the door. Hey, I'm telling you, I'm not willing to risk what we feel in this house so that we can fit in with the rest of the church world. I want to be a church that's on fire. I want to be a church that's alive. I want to be an all-running church. I want to be a dancing church. I want to be a shouting church. I want to be a tongue-talking church. I want to be alive. The gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Let me tell you what that means for you. Let me break that down for you and tell you exactly what that means. If you're tired of the devil kicking your teeth out, the safest place in the world you can be is in the church. If the gates of hell won't prevail against the church, I think I'll stay with the church. I think I'll I'll get in the church and stay in the church. Now, we are the body of Christ. We are the children of God. The the church has been called the bride of Christ, the body of Christ, the family of God. But there's something interesting about the body of Christ. It's almost a slang term that is thrown around among denominational groups that say things like, Well... We all believe in the same God, but we have our own path to Him. And so, I'm glad that we're part of the body of Christ. And while I want to be tasteful in my approach and tactful in my approach, I want you to understand that not everything that calls itself the body of Christ is really the body of Christ. Some things are nothing more than perverted versions that desire to have the accolades of a God that sits in heaven, but they don't want to tap into what it takes to connect to the power and the resource of who he really is. So I'm saying to you tonight that if you want to be a part of the body of Christ, you've got to connect yourself to something that has life in it. I'm glad tonight I don't serve a God that was left hanging on a cross, but he came off of that cross, went into a tomb, and got up from the grave. You're thankful for the body of Christ Shout yes, yes. Huh. In Matthew the 27th chapter in About The 57th verse You find the burial of Jesus There was a man In the 58th verse The name of Joseph of Arimathea That came to Pilate And the scripture said that He begged the body of Jesus. Somebody say the body. body. He begged the body of Jesus. I mean, after all, who would not want the body of Christ? He's the miracle worker. He's the way maker. He's the game changer. But here's the issue. When Joseph came and craved the body of Christ He asked for the body of Christ He was not asking for the body of Christ For what the body could do for him But he asked for the body of Christ So that he could anoint the body Now Jesus had already given up the ghost. So to break that down Gerber style, I could say it to you like this. There was no God left in him. Joseph was not begging the body of the Messiah because he was God manifest in the flesh. The spirit had left his body. And all that was left was a shell. Of what used to be. He wasn't healing anybody. He wasn't raising anybody from the dead. Including himself. He wasn't healing the lepers. And opening the blinded eyes anymore. He was a body that was broken. And was bleeding. And was bruised. And had been tortured over the last several hours. And it's not really something. That you want to just connect yourself to. But Joseph came to Pilate and he said, I would like to have the body of Jesus that I may anoint his body. I'm not anointing him because God is in him. I'm not anointing him because of the spirit that is in him. In other words, Joseph said, I don't mind ministering to the body even when the body cannot minister to me. Imagine a place God, I feel like preaching. Imagine a place where the altar becomes a biblical place and not a modern religious place where we lay all of our burdens on the altar and we throw all of our stuff on the altar that we've created for ourselves. I was just looking. I was just wondering this week to find that one scripture in the Bible that said when Noah came off the ark, he took all of his problems and put it on an altar. Now, I know what an altar has become. I understand that. I understand this is a good place. We come, we repent, we we lay our burdens down. I still believe that. But can I tell you, it was never the intent of an altar in the Scripture to be a place that bore your burdens. Woo-wee. It was a place when Noah stepped off of the ark that he made his way underneath that rainbow, the promise of God. And he didn't build that altar so that he could tell the Lord this has been the worst last hundred days of my life and the last 105 years of my life. I'm so sick of going through what I've been through. When are you going to show up and make a difference? Noah came off of that ark. And the Bible said the first thing that he did when he saw the promise of the Lord is he built an altar there and he began to make a sacrifice unto the Lord. What are you saying, pastor? I'm saying that Noah did not go to the altar to see what the altar could give him back. He went to the altar to tell the Lord, I am so grateful that even though I've been in a trial, you never left me by myself. You did not leave my family. You took care of us. I'm thankful for the ark I'm, it could be that he could have went to that altar and said why in the world did you make me build that ark think about it now why in the world would you make me invest in that there's something more powerful about somebody who invests in their own salvation I'm glad it's so rich and full of free. I want more of Jesus, so I'll give him more of me. I'm thankful for that. I'm going to tell you something, church family. There may come a time in your life that the body don't feel the same as it always has. I've been in services where the body ministered to me. And I've been in services where I've had to minister to the body. Woo! But I never leave with a sour taste in my mouth because I've ministered to a body that wasn't ministering to me. Do you really believe that Joseph of Arimathea was anointing the body of Christ, believing that it was going to be his anointing that was going to resurrect the Messiah? Where do we find anywhere in the scripture that after the resurrection the Lord went and found Joseph and said, hey, thank you, bud. Because the anointing of the body had absolutely nothing to do with what Jesus could do for him and everything to do with what he could do for Jesus. I don't like to blend these two worlds, but in the world of politics, there was an amazing statement made by one of our presidents one time. His name was John F. Kennedy, and Kennedy stepped to the microphone and said a famous phrase that if you've ever been in history class, you've heard it. He said, ask not. Come on. Come on. Ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. I wonder what would happen in the kingdom of God if our approach became, Lord, you've already put me in a church that the gates of hell cannot prevail against. If you never bless me again, I am too blessed to be stressed. God, my revelation of who you are is not based on disappointment of what you did or did not do for me. It's not based on the house that you did not give me. It's not based on the job you did not give me. I just came to tell you, I love you and I'm blessed to be in the body. listen to what I'm telling you tonight. I want to help you. The reason I'm in this church is I don't want to be lost when Jesus comes. Right. Right. Amen. The Bible tells us of a story of Jacob. He and his brother Esau had been in quite the quarrel. It was quite an overwhelming happening in their family and There were some things that transpired that, to be quite honest with you, feel a little bit unfair. If you understand covenant and you understand birthright and all of that, you know, truthfully Esau kind of deserved what happened because the scripture said that he despised his birthright. And so technically, if we just get really brutally honest about the scripture, Jacob did not steal what Esau did not love. What? Sorry, Joker. He stole my birthright. He didn't steal it. You let it go. He's a supplanter. Nowhere does the scripture call him a cheater. Nowhere does the scripture say he was a liar. As a matter of fact, it calls him a supplanter. One that comes up behind and plants where someone else has failed in their planting. (laughs) I don't know why I don't have my birthright anymore. So I'm going to hate my brother for the rest of my life. I'm going to weep bitterly and never find a place of repentance because I hate my brother for taking from me what I hated. Think about the logic of that. Right. Wow. The Bible said that Jacob was on the run. There's so many things that you could preach here, but for the sake of time, we'll just hurry through. The Bible said that he was wearied in his journey and he came to a place where I believe that some would make it just a place of happenstance, like just uh an accidental place that he stumbled upon. But there, there's so much more to the place where Jacob laid his head that night. When he laid his head on a pillow of stone. And the Bible said that he was so wearied and so tired that there was a ladder that had been established there. And the, the Hebrew of that is an actual stairway. That there was a stairway that went from earth Directly to the throne of God It was a beautiful place And the Bible said that angels were Ascending and angels were descending But Jacob was so weary from the journey That he actually slept through most of the visitation And he woke up and he said Whoa! Surely the presence of the Lord Was in this place And I knew it not Think about that now Oh, Lord, if I only had a few minutes. How many things have we missed because we were so weary of running from a quarrel with our brother, running from our past, running from our yesterday. And there are angels ascending and descending to where we are. And we did not even know the presence of the Lord was there. How many Sunday nights have we come in a quarrel with a family member? In a quarrel with a brother in the church? And angels were ascending and descending. I wish I had the choir up here to preach to them. Here I am. So weary that I'll take a stone Lay my head on that stone Now there's some things about the stone I wish I could preach to you but He laid his head on this area That I believe was a familiar place And I believe that the time of his departure that day Was absolutely ordained of God Because the scripture said that he stopped At the setting of the sun And he knew what time the sun was going to set and God knew what time he needed to be there and what needed to happen. and God got it all established and he put him in the right place at the right time. But can you imagine your steps being ordered of the Lord and being in the right place at the right time. But missing your visitation. Because you're too weary to recognize what God is trying to do in your life. But all of a sudden. When he comes to himself and he wakes up and he sees the ladder, the stairway into the heavens. He saw the angels ascending and descending. He said, I almost missed my moment, but I love this powerful statement that he makes. He said, this place is none other than the house of the Lord. This is the gate of heaven. Notice, oh Lord, notice this language. He said this is the house of God and it is the gateway to heaven. You know what Jacob was saying? The only way to heaven is the house of God. The reason I'm in this church is I don't want to be lost. And it doesn't matter what my past is. It doesn't matter how my brother feels. It doesn't matter what I'm running from. If I can get myself to the house of God and wake myself up, I know that the way to heaven is the house of God. Let's stand together tonight. Can't, I can't imagine, I can't imagine the battle going on in the minds of some people when they're trying to decide on Sunday night whether to go to the nightclub or to the house of the Lord. One night our choir was singing at a place here in town. It was a, I don't even know what you'd call it, interdenominational I don't know. Some bunch of churches came together. They weren't apostolic. I think we were the only one there that was apostolic. And the group that played before us, we had to go up on the platform and wait. You know, when their bass player got done, our bass player was supposed to unplug, plug in, our drummer get on, all that stuff. I think think Jason was there that night. And we're all standing there waiting to take our spot on the platform to play music and the the little old short guy that was propped up on the he wasn't when I say short I'm telling you like dude was short because it was a bass amp like that and he was standing up with his rear end propped on the little short amp he was just propped up there man they were playing and he looked at his buddy over playing the drums I don't remember his name but I do remember the bass player's name he looked over his buddy and he was like you going to such and such club when we get done They were getting ready to leave the platform. The choir was up there singing. They were getting ready to leave the platform and go play music in the nightclub. Woo! The reason I'm in this church. (laughs) It matters what you entertain. going to tell you something. I'm going to sound old school right here. I know what I risk. I'm going to tell you something that your pastor believes. I believe there are very few things in your life that good hot revival church can't fix. You still believe that, Dad? You still believe that a hot fire revival church It's one thing to say I belong to a hand clapping, foot stomping church, but never clap your hands or stomp your feet. I know we like to get up on our high horse and ride when somebody said, are y'all holy rollers? Oh, yeah, we're a holy roller. You ain't no holy roller. Your granddaddy was a holy roller. You ain't no holy roller. going to be a sad day when all the new converts that don't have a pedigree in Pentecost don't even know what a holy roller is because we've got so bonafide and prettified. I can't from a church house that when somebody was down they didn't wait on the good music to start, they didn't have to have a drummer, they didn't have to have an organ, but they'd step out in the aisle and they'd start to give God praise. That's something that happens on a Sunday night when you feel a little down and you feel a little out, but you begin to give Him praise and you begin to worship and bless His name. I'm in the church and I'm glad about it. I love it when we go to camp meeting and those young guys want the girls to know how spiritual they are. So they run the aisles at camp meeting. I ain't never seen them run here. <laughs> they, Ooh, she's hot. I better worship tonight. If she's your reason for worship, you've already missed the mark, baby. I'm telling you, if she never flops a lip on you and never gives you any sugar, he's still worthy of your praise. He's worthy whether you're married, single, infatuated, don't ever get attention. He's a good God. I love it. I love it when those pretty little girls spend 14 hours getting their hair curled, but you get them to camp meeting, and man, it's like the fugaboo just gets on them. They get up in the choir, and they get started, and them little curls just get to bouncing. And before it's all said and done, they're slinging bobby pins all over the tabernacle. I'm looking for the curl bouncers tonight at FPC. Come on now. We got them people talking about mm, it's been many, many years since people got drunk in churches because we don't have old church. Well, not only are you not drunk, think you might be intoxicated on something beside the Holy Ghost like self it's easy to talk about how everybody else ought to dance it's easy to talk about how everybody else ought to shout But I wonder where are the Davids that are willing to look up in the window and say, judge me if you will. Judge me if you must. I came to worship the one true living God. And if you think this is something, I'll be more vile than this. Ah. I watch this church. I watch, and I got two men that usually lead in the running here, and I watch our young men. It's like when their elder takes off running, they feel bad for a second, like. Y'all know why I ain't lying, I'm gonna tell you the biggest reason, because Brother Haney can outrun all of you. I got you. It's funny. I watch you I watch you young men. He takes off running, they look at their friends like. And if looks could talk, they'd be like, You you gonna go? Am I preaching? I don't want to be that guy, I don't want to be, I don't know, my mom prays really loud, I don't know. Why are you doing this pastor, because I want to get it good and calm right here, I want it good and calm. Because I want you to understand what Sunday night is all about. It's not about dancing because somebody else is dancing. That brother Wendell. He's a praying thing. And I don't say that to boast on him. I love him. I'm going to tell you something, guys. He's about carried these young men praying long enough. I need some of you young men at prayer meeting to take your iPod out of your ears. I want to tell you, someday, some of you young men, not all of you probably, but some of you young men, if the Lord... Doesn't come back, you're gonna have a family. And I want to ask you, who's gonna pray the prayers of the men in your family? Woo wee! My my, I think you can finish this, Bishop. I think you got this. He said, "I might could." There's no doubt. You know. I look back on my childhood growing up, and I watched how people would worship. I watched how people would step out into the aisle, and they would lead the victory march, not just get in it. I watched those elders that didn't care. What people thought about them. I'm so glad I was raised apostolic. Because I got to see with my own two eyes what the old school looked like. And, and I, I, don't, I don't say this. I don't want this to sound weird to you. But you know, I think somewhere in here, God's got to kind of help us keep humble somehow. Because those, those brothers could dance in a pair of Kmart pants. And a $4 shirt, and if they had to waller around in it, it didn't matter. But when God gets us all cleaned up and our suits get so nice. Ooh, I ironed it before church. Do you remember Brother Langston, Brother McClain, that came here and preached for us from Arkansas, crazy old guy? He got a hold of one of our young boys one night that had hard hair. had all the product in his hair, you know. that boy come up raised his hands, he got to hold of him. I thought he was going to pray for him. And Brother Townsend, he, he did pray for him. but he put his hands on top of his hair and went, wow <laughs> Mess his hair up. Wow! Man, them young people went crazy. I think they were wanting to dance so they didn't get their hair messed up. (laughs) You know what? Bishop, I don't mean this disrespectful, but I miss the jerkers. Holy Ghost, get to moving. Woo! Woo! That's why we didn't need chiropractors Back in the day <laughs> Hey, to hoop and holler Dance and shout Woo! I wish Brother Mark Looper I could go back And just hear Old brother George Looper One more time Step out when there's nobody else out But maybe brother Murth because he was hard to beat I watched Brother Looper come out from the back and he'd shout oh glory hallelujah remember and he'd do just like you do I hope you know that he'd get to waving both of those hands and he'd walk and he'd praise God he'd walk and he'd praise God amen and it wouldn't take too long if I started naming some names that some of the elders would know, some of you young folks wouldn't know, but back in the day we had some sister potters that just get loose at every joint. Woo! And she'd go to talking in tongues And if there was a guest there That happened to get in the way While she was talking in tongues It didn't bother her She wasn't afraid she was going to run somebody off She had an experience that was real It was alive It was powerful I'm telling you we got to get back to it He's not coming back for a dead church He's coming back for a church That's alive and well. We gotta be a church that steps out when nobody else is feeling it. But we got a little dance in our step. We got a little jump in our legs. We got a little sh- Got a shout in our voice. I want more of Jesus. I want revival. Bible. I want power. I want demonstration. I gotta go get it. to get out of our comfort zone it's time to get out of our comfort zone it's time to bless it pastor i can't jump like i used to then just do what you can i can't run like i used to then just do what you can give god your best give god your praise It used to be said about Pentecost, that any Sunday night could feel like camp meeting, that any Sunday morning could feel like a conference. I'm telling you right now, when the sinner walks in off the street, I want them to feel what's kept me in the church all my life. I want them to feel the fire. I want them to feel the worship. I want them to feel the glory. I want to be the church.